All right, episode six coming up with George Solomon. George is a fantastic uh, singer slash entertainer slash show producer uh, and writer as well. He's up here performing with Oh What a Night, a musical tribute to Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons, a show that he's a creator of, one of the creators. And uh, just a fascinating guy. He's been involved with so many things and so many shows uh, from New York to L.A. and many years on uh, doing his solo show on cruise ships. And um, it's just a fascinating story. And I hope you uh, enjoy listening to it. Also, I ask if you want to uh, subscribe to In Session with Darren Walters on iTunes, please do so. Uh, please rate and leave comments and reach out uh, to me at uh, in Facebook, uh, Darren Walters on Facebook and Instagram, Darren Walters. And the number one is where you find me. And uh, let's get this thing rolling. <laughs> All right, I'm here with George Solomon. So it's uh, we just finished doing a show with Oh What a Night up and in the Walters Theater, and what a good one it was. That was fun. <laughs> they were a great audience. That was a fun crowd. Um, George is here performing with uh, Oh What a Night, a musical tribute to Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. And uh, I guess you could say that. What part would you say you're 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 basically the kind of almost? There's not a really a lead singer in this show, but it's, no, no, not there's a lead. A lead Spokesman, I'm really. probably the spokesperson and the one that people keep saying you look like Frankie Valley. Oh yeah, to me. But everybody in our show, as you know, that's what makes our show unique is that yeah. there's not, no one's playing Frankie Valley. Yeah, we all take turns singing leads, so the audience gets to know each individual cast member. And you know, I love it when people will say, "Well, he was my favorite." Oh, and then you were my favorite, and then he was my favorite. And then, so yeah. they, they they really get it. Everybody gets a chance to shine in this show. That's what I like about it because it. Like it is, there's not one single lead and yeah. everyone's background. Everyone gets to have their moment. And, and you know, when we first started this, our director, Michael Chapman, when we were putting this all together, we really did it for me. Yeah. Michael wanted, he said, we should do, I had been doing my solo show for so long and Michael said, we should do something different, you know, just have something else in your pocket to, and he, in my show, I was singing Sherry. He said, you do Frankie Valley really well. Why don't we do a whole Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons show? And honestly, we didn't even know about Jersey Boys. This was about the same time yeah. that was happening. So it, it really wasn't connected at all at that time. And when we auditioned three other guys in Vegas, they were so good. And I said to Michael, I, I don't want to be just a lead singer with three backup. These guys should all, we sh they should all sing. Yeah, that's why it, that's why I always say we're not doing an imitation of Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons because we're all we're all being ourselves and just singing the songs and having fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great show. Obviously, uh, we've been uh, involved with it here at our theater for six years. Um, but when did when did it start? Uh, it's been ten years. It's been ten already. This yeah. Year, yeah, ten years ago. It will be ten years in August. Yeah. Wow. It, time flies by. Yeah, it is, it is August, isn't it? It's ten years right yeah, now. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, let's, George. You're, I know you've got a great, rich history, and and uh, I know there's going to be a lot of people very interested in hearing your backstory and how you got started and and uh, that whole thing. And uh, you know, you're such a great entertainer and great singer. And um, I always, as soon as you know, I started doing this podcast, and I knew you guys were coming up. I said, "Oh, I got to interview George. This is going to be." And I, I'm I'm more fascinated to do this than probably anyone's probably going. to... I'm more interested than anyone else. I think. Uh, <laughs> well, it's going to be uh, interesting. But where 
let's go back to where where'd you grow up where'd you uh i grew up back in a little town that very few people know it was called it is called monongahela pennsylvania it's oh, a wow. town about 45 minutes south of pittsburgh yeah so i grew up in that area and a really small town little mayberry kind of town but it was a really nice upbringing and like you you're you you've been singing from the time since you can remember yep. right you that it, it's always been in your family it wasn't like that so much in my family my mother sang in the church choir and my mother loved to tell the story of when i was born she i, I was the sixth of seven children wow so she said but when you were born you made so many noises and so many faces and were so animated the nurses were were, were laughing oh, wow. she said, the nurses would all look at you and say look at all the little look at his faces and look at his look at how he's making and they said this this boy is going to probably do something in entertainment because he's all he's already entertaining everybody yeah so i grew up that's the, the as long as i can remember is what i wanted to do yeah and in my family we'd put on shows my brothers and my brother and i we'd get neighborhood kids and we would sing all the oldies for our, our neighbors would come over and we'd put together really good shows. And early on, because I had brothers and sisters are older than me, yeah. my sisters, Cynthia and Sandra, they, they loved the four seasons. They loved the Beatles and the Supremes. And the, so those 45s were in our house all the time. And in a funny coincidence, right down the street, a little girl moved in and her name was Sherry. Wow. And I was five, and I had such a crush on Sherry, yeah. Sherry Ross. And I would go down to her porch, and I'd sit on her steps, and I would sing, Sherry, baby. I would sing Sherry to her. And I, it's, it's funny to me that all these years later, I am still singing Sherry. Yeah. And we did a concert in my hometown not long ago, and she was right out in the audience. Oh, isn't that and cool? And it was just so cool to sing, look right at her yeah. and sing Sherry to her after all of these years. So... Yeah, so growing up, there was we always had the music. We always had the music in our house, and so with you've always been a singer. Do you play any instruments? I play the drums. Oh, do you? I I played the drums in school. Yeah, and I've never done it professionally since then. Yeah, and in doing my show, a lot of people say at some point you should go back to the drums and play. But it's been so long since I played. Yeah. I don't know. Would, did you start with instruments right away? Yeah, that's what I I did first. I I was the opposite of of everyone else in my family. I, I didn't sing until much later, um, but I started uh, violin lessons when I was four. Wow. And then I just kind of picked up different instruments as I went along. Uh, but yeah, I, and I, I had no desire to sing like at all. And I don't know why. It's, it's one of my biggest regrets. Uh, if I, I would say I have any regrets at all, I wish I'd started singing earlier. Um, I'm a decent, okay singer. I, I find I'm a, probably good harmony singer um i wouldn't consider myself a, a lead singer i leave that to to my brother and sister and and my mom does a little bit of lead too um but yeah it's one of those things it's like i wish i had because there's something when you start singing young and you develop you know your voice right i think it's harder i think you can always pick up an instrument later in years but once you get older, I think singing is harder. It does become harder. It yeah. becomes harder even when you've been singing all your life. Yeah. It, you know, the voice changes a little bit as you get older. And it, it, it's funny you should say that about yourself because even though I sang as a kid, I never considered myself a singer-singer. Yeah. I always thought I was more of an more of an actor, more of an entertainer. Yeah. And when I, I went right to New York City when I was 17, right out of high school, and it was scary coming from a little place like Monongahela to go right to New York. 
And my parents were supportive. We didn't have money. I think I went to New York. I probably had $200, period, when I went to New York. But that yeah. was my graduation money. And they didn't want to stop. They said, look, we'll encourage it. They were scared, but they said, we're not going to stop you. And I started auditioning for things. And I kept getting cast in musicals. I wanted to do plays and things. And I kept, I got West Side Story. I got Damn Yankees. I kept getting roles where I had to sing. And I thought, well, if they if they think I'm good enough to be in these shows as a singer, then that's great. Then that's that's what I'll do. But even when we're doing our show now, and I'm not putting myself down, but when I'm listening to James and Josh, and I'm hearing those you know those those, those voices come out of them, I just they truly blessed with these beautiful instruments. Where like nothing's ever wrong when they sing, and <laughs> everything just comes out just kind of comes out beautifully. Oh, that's nice for you to say yeah. that for them. But I, you know, I think I, I think it's you are very much an entertainer as well. You see that, but I think that's an important, obviously, package, right? Well, as singing is, it's interesting to note that nowadays, I don't want to sound like an old guy when I say that, but singers, it's its changed. With shows like American Idol and years ago, Star Search, it turns out that if, if you're not screaming your lungs out and doing vocal gymnastics, people think you're not a good singer. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, Dean Martin or Frank Sinatra wouldn't have gotten past round one no. on American Idol. And you think about the legendary singers, and what good singing to me is someone who really can communicate a lyric. Yeah, It's not about how you can, it's not about your vocal gymnastics on how high you can yell and how, you know, how much you can throw your voice around. I care more about what the singer is saying yeah. than what his instrument is doing. Yeah, and just being able to connect with them. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can't connect with it goes with anything if you're the drummer or the bass player or the guitar player or the singer if you don't connect with that person that you know it all of a sudden that person will just fade away in the background yeah and then it, it just leaves that much room for the the person next to him who is you know that person who puts everything into it it makes them shine even more yeah i'm sure we've all gone to see a show where a singer will come out and there'll be a it'll be a magnificent voice and you'll say wow that voice is really good and seven minutes later you're kind of done because yeah. they're not giving you anything else other than a other than a beautiful instrument yeah and you just say you know you, you want to be entertained more yeah and you want i go back to actually vegas quite a few years ago i saw winona mm -hmm. um doing her Christmas show. I was there, uh, I think for my birthday and, and it was one of those, oh, why not? I would love to see that Christmas show. I left there so depressed and <laughs> so emotional, but in a really good way. It was, she was just an open book, right? Yeah. She was a different, it was a different type of entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. Where it wasn't, she wasn't there to, you know, tell you funny jokes or stories or, you know, go out in the audience and do all those things that are entertaining to people. She was just honest and just, as I said, open. Mm -hmm. So she told you about the good stuff and she told you all about the bad stuff in her life. Wow. And, and then she sang these beautiful Christmas ballads and she had this awesome gospel quartet with her. And, and I just sat there and it's like, I didn't know if I wanted to clap or if I wanted to cry. <laughs> well, and but still to this day, it's one of those memorable. Yeah, it's one of those concerts where I said I wish I could experience that again because it was, it was, whether it's you know positive or or some other type of emotion that you bring to the audience, 
it's really important that you deliver something, right? Oh um, yeah. If you don't deliver anything, it's it's you know it's you're dead in the water, you know, right from the beginning. Yeah, I didn't know. I I always I grew up watching because I had older brothers and sisters. I grew up watching great entertainers on TV because I saw the Ed Sullivan Show and yeah. I saw the Hollywood Palace, and so I'd see people like Sammy Davis Jr. And Pearl Bailey, and uh, uh, even when the Motown years started, and the, and the Supremes were great entertainers, and yeah. all the Motown people were—they all had really good acts. And the first time I saw Sammy Davis live, I just couldn't believe what an entertainer he was. I was very lucky; I got to work with him several times since then. Yeah. But to see him—that's a funny story. A lady—I was working on a ship, and a lady came up to me, and this is the truth. She uh, said, excuse me, I read in your bio that you worked with Sammy Davis Jr. Is that true? And I said, yes, it is. She said, was that before he died? <laughs> I said, no, no, it was after. It was terrible. I had to carry the whole show by myself. <laughs> but yeah, he, was, he was an amazing, amazing talent. And I, to me, one of the greatest things, I was doing a show in Las Vegas, and Sammy Davis came backstage, and he was with Barry Gordy Jr., president yeah. of Motown. And Sammy came back and he pulled me aside. You talk about a great con. He pulled me aside and he said, kid, you have it. You've got that thing that people really like and don't ever stop. And I thought, Sammy Davis is telling me this. I mean, That's you, amazing. You, it was, to me, it was, it was the greatest compliment. And it, I was truly blessed to get to do some shows with him after that. And when I would come to town, if I would go see him, he'd always take me back to the dressing room and he'd sit and he'd chat with me in the back and would invite me to his home if he was having a little gathering. He just was one of those warm people. That's, it, yeah, that's amazing. So where were you performing in Vegas at the time when you did that? I was doing a show called Dream Street. It, yeah. was, a, it was way ahead of its time. There had not been a pop rock musical in Vegas. Yeah. This was kind of rent long before there was rent. Yeah. It was, and everybody said it would never make it. Vegas was all about feathers and showgirls and and Broadway songs and and we had this rock and roll show about a bunch of guys living on a street, just kind of it was guys and girls you know, and the show was called Dream Street and it was a huge hit just took off and then it became the show that everybody wanted to come and see so yeah. we had celebrities there nightly the people would because that was the talked show, about yeah. show so we would. Uh, Shirley MacLaine was there and John Travolta was there and I'll never forget the night. I did a little bit in the show where my character had this fondness for Diana Ross and uh, and in, in real life, I love her as a performer. She's another person I later got to work with, but at this time I hadn't yeah. and I had gone to see her perform and I got backstage to to meet her and I invited her. I said, could you please, I'm, I'm in Dream Street across the street here. She was at Caesar's Palace. We were doing this. I would love it if you would come. And it was her daughter. The next night was her daughter, Tracy, who's now on Blackish now, the TV series. Yeah. She said, I would, but I have to fly back east because it's Tracy's birthday. And I, I wish I could see you, but I just can't. And the next night I was in the dressing room and the stagehand came back and said, George, she's here. Wow. And I was just in a, I couldn't believe because in the show, I did an imitation of Diana Ross. Yeah. Not in drag, just I'd sing one of her songs with the voice in yeah. the, uh, and looking out there and seeing Diana Ross sitting right there in my eye shot while I was performing for her was just, and that was another dream come true. Oh, I guess. Yeah, that's really. amazing. So let's go, before we jump too far ahead, let's go back to, so you were in your hometown performing, doing things with the family and, and, 
doing all that type of thing. All the school plays. Yeah. And then you moved to New York. Yes. Um, with $200. Yeah. It wasn't easy. I guess. It really wasn't. I did a lot of odd jobs in the beginning. I, I kept getting jobs where I played animals. I know that sounds crazy, but my first job, somebody asked me if I could roller skate, it was going to pay $5 an hour. And I said, yes, even though I'm the world's worst on roller skates, I just can't as a kid, I never even roller skated. Yeah. But this was the premiere of the Muppet movie, and they needed they needed people to serve. I had to dress up like Kermit. I had a big frog head on, green tights, and had to skate around serving champagne. Oh, no way. And it was... <laughs> I got caught on a ramp that went right into the ladies' room. <laughs> I skated right... You should have heard, the, heard those women scream when this frog came crashing into the, into the ladies' room. I don't even think I got paid for that gig, but... Uh, I would do a lot of stupid, crazy little odd jobs like that. But then I got cast. I started getting cast in shows. I mentioned West Side Story. Yeah. So how got, how did you um, how was the audition process like then? Did you have an agent or do you? I did not no, at that just, time. It was a cattle call, and yeah. for the, you don't know what that is. That's when they it's in the in the trade papers, and people just show up. Yeah. You can go, and there are hundreds of people there. So I was very fortunate to to be selected. For that show and then it was it was at a dinner theater an equity dinner theater and uh, and they did a series of shows and that led to damn yankees in south pacific and then i got a show a neil simon play comes come blow your horn which was not a musical yeah. just a, uh, it was a really funny play and i got a lot of notice from that and i got a new york drama critics award for that oh, for playing great. that playing the younger brother buddy yeah in that show and got spotted by some people from the ABC network in New York. And they said, you know, you should go out West. We're doing some pilots and you'd be really great for some of the new sitcoms and things. So I did, I, I packed up, I went out to Los Angeles. That the so pilot- what age would you have been then? I would have been 21. Wow. I was in New York th- three years. Yeah, I w- It was on my 21st birthday, I moved out to Los Angeles. Wow. Actually, I remember that well. and. I didn't, the pilot they wanted me to do didn't end up selling and I got a lot of other auditions, but I liked LA so I stayed yeah. and just continued to audition for things. And then I started getting shows in LA too. I've always been really, really lucky, but I have to tell you, the, the, the thing that changed everything, I had been working as a waiter in a restaurant out there and it was just, it was my job, my day job. It was making money for me though. But I was the only waiter there that really was a professional singer, actor. And they changed management and all the waiters, they wanted all the waiters were gonna have to be singing waiters. It was all new management. And I thought, oh, this is great. I've got it made. I'm gonna be, you know, I, and, but they, they wanted to audition people. Yeah. So I had to audition like everybody else. And I didn't make it. Oh. I, got, I lost, the, I, I, I sang for them and they said, no, you're really not right. I thought, I can't believe it. I'm, I can't make it as a singing, singing waiter. What? And so I lost that job and I had had it for a year. So I, I was crushed because oh, yeah. I, I lost my day job. And I met somebody, I was working out in a gym and some, I was chatting with some guy I didn't even really know. And he was telling me about some audition coming up. And it was for a show called Stars on 45. He said, you know, you really should go out for this, this show. There was a record, Stars on 45, that was a big hit. And he's, but they're doing a whole musical about it. I wasn't gonna go, but this guy was persistent. And even the morning of the audition, he called and said, are you on your way to that audition? 
And I said, no, I'm not. He said, come. he said, if you don't go, I'm coming over there. I'm driving you there. You're going to audition for this thing. And I did. And it, I got the lead. Wow. And this was in a big, this was like the equivalent of a Broadway show in LA. It was playing at the Huntington Hartford Theater. Yeah. And the, the, the greatest justice for me after I got the lead in this show, which was a colossal hit, I went back to the restaurant where I used to work and I sat there and I was watching the singing waiters doing yeah. their thing. And the new managers came up to me and said, oh, how's it going? We felt so bad about that, but we just want to see if you're doing okay. And I said, yeah, actually I'm in, I'm in stars on 45 now. They said, the, the show with the Huntington Hartford, you're, in, are you in the core? I said, no, no, I got the, I got the lead guy. I'm, I'm one of the leads in this show. And they went, oh, well, good for you. <laughs> I thought, I thought, that couldn't. That was the biggest break of my life, getting yeah. fired from that job. Yeah, it's but, funny how you can get something that feels so crushing at the time. Oh my goodness! And then it leads to you don't realize at the time. Like if you would have, you figured if you would have stuck with that job, I would how, not have gone. How could audition. that have changed your life? It, it completely Just, because yeah. you know I never took another after Stars on Forty Five. I have never. That was 1982. I have never taken another job other than entertaining or acting. Yeah. So that was the show that changed everything. And I wish I even knew what happened to the guy from the gym to be able to say to him, you know, if it wasn't for your persistence, yeah. I would have never gone on this audition. So every time somebody tells me about some devastating blow or being fired from a job or even losing a contract, I say, as cliche as it sounds, you never know why that door closed because you just don't know what it's going to lead to. Yeah, it's happened to me a bunch of times where you know you, you kind of finish up with something or you leave something or something happens, you know, obviously. And then all of a sudden, once you leave that, bam, all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like almost as if you've announced to the world, oh, I'm available now. And then people just perk up for some, it's just coincidence, I think, but uh, it happens, like, I mean, I don't want to tell anyone just to leave what they're doing, but no. But sometimes things happen, and then it happens for the good, even though it seems like it's not a great thing at the time. So yeah, that was that was a that was quite a blessing. So do you remember uh, just quickly going back to New York? Uh, I've always interesting about auditioning because I, I did not. I've never auditioned much for anything. I never really was involved in that end of things. But I, for a short period of time, uh, there was a, a lady in Toronto that. Uh, I became friends with and she owned an agency and she always wanted me to audition for all this stuff all the time. And every once in a while, um, I'd audition, but I hated the process. You know, it was just, for me, I was just so used to, well, either you want to hire me or you don't want to hire me, you know, yeah. that's the world I came from. And you had to go through all these things. And I was, I, I know there was this big TV commercial they were looking for a fiddle player for. And and there was a call, so she had called me, you got to go in, it's a certain amount of time. So I go in and so, of course, like eight of my fiddle buddies were all sitting there oh, <laughs> in audition okay. to me too. So I did my thing and they they called back and said, they want you to audition again. And I was like, what for? I said, I'm, I'm busy. I had, you know, I'd have to. <laughs> it's a callback. That's yeah. Good. And I understood it, but it's like, well, they were videotaping it. So have them look at the video. If they don't want me, then that, that's fine. I, I, I don't have time to go all the way back to Toronto and sit and wait, and I was busy. And, and the girl at the agency just couldn't, I, I can't believe you're not, you're not gonna go back. It's a second call, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. But I understand that's a whole part of the process, but 
that point in my life when I was doing that, I, I don't remember what I was doing if I was busy in the studio doing stuff or, but it just wasn't in the cards for me to, to do that. But do you remember, do you remember going, do you remember what your first audition was when you got to New York? I think the first, I think I got the first audition. I think the first audition was for a production of a show called Kiss Me Kate. And I got a good role of Bill Calhoun. I got one of the leads in that show too. It was in a, it was uh, an an equity waiver theater in one of the smaller yeah. theaters. But I do remember the audition process, and I was it scary or is it? You yeah, just, no, it's always scary. It's yeah. always you 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 get used to it and you cover your nerves because you learn that those people who are there you have to entertain they see they see so many people yeah and in most cases they want you to be good they don't want you to stink yeah they want you to be the one they want so i've always tried to pick an audition song that was really entertaining so that even if they had their face buried in your resume yeah. that all of a sudden they'd look up and go oh yeah well this is this is not just a typical guy standing there singing. I always made sure I did something that was really upbeat, fun, that was memorable. And it, it would always get me a callback. Do you remember what you used to do? Yeah, I still do it. Yeah. I, I still close my show with it. I, the song uh, Blue Moon, oh, yeah. the, the, the rock and roll version, because yeah. I would sing all three parts. I'd sing the bass, the blah, 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 then go, blue moon, you saw me. And then the, Wee! Yeah. And, and I'd run back and forth on the stage and I'd sing the bass part, then run to the middle part, then run to the side part. And I kept going back and forth with the three different voices. Yeah. And I still close my show with that song. That that cool? But when you do that for an audition, they can't help but take notice of you. Yeah. Yeah. And so they'd watch that. And plus they'd hear, they'd hear a vocal range. Yeah. And I'd be dancing over there and say, well, he can move because look, you know, look how he's dancing. So that, that song, always served me well and still does i never i never get tired of doing it that's that's pretty cool especially that you end your show with it yeah i still do yeah. and and i have done it. enough people have come to see me I, I worked out on ships quite a bit and if i people will tell me if they've seen the show before they will be they'll re, they'll be looking if they remember nothing else they're going to say that number where you sang all the three parts yeah so i yeah i just i don't know if i'll ever take it out as long as i can keep doing it I'll, I'll keep doing it well smart because obviously going in and auditioning and you're getting picked right away that's you know it's something that obviously they saw something in you and then you were smart to audition with something like that i think mm -hmm. that's i think people want to go in and they want to impress them with their vocal abilities or it's so hard to impress people who've seen thousands and thousands of singers right that's uh, why they want stand to, out from that that's why you want that's they want to be entertained yeah and it's it's more difficult when they want you to do something when you're given music in advance and they want you to sing some ballad from their show. Yeah. And I think this is just like a cookie cutter. You're gonna hear guy after guy after guy after guy sing, you know, corner of the sky or whatever this whatever the song is. Yeah. And to me that's not that's that's not an easy way to to audition. No. Because then we I guess they are looking for you to do something with it that grabs their attention. Yeah. But I, I think, and usually sometimes after your first audition, you like the callback you didn't want to go to. Sometimes once you pass that first hurdle, sometimes in a second audition, they will say, okay, now when you come back, we're going to want you to do this. Yeah. To see if you fit the show. When we're auditioning for Oh, What a Night, our Frankie Valley show, we have to hear if people can sing something that's, Frankie Valley, if not Frankie Valley, Frankie Valley ish. Yeah. So we often will give them something from the show to to see. 
to see if they have that feel. Yeah, I think for some things you certainly can. You'll be able to tell, especially with Frankie Valley, that's pretty specific. You you know whether they can have those chops or not. Right, because a guy can come on and sing a song from Phantom and be amazing. Yeah, but he not you know he couldn't sing Sherry Baby. You know, yeah, it's a whole it's a whole different style. Oh yeah, that'd be so. So back in L.A., you got the big gig there, and and yeah. you were able to go back to the restaurant. And, and kind of throw back at a them. little bit. Yeah. I don't, yeah. So, so how long that that show lasted? For? That show, well, that was it was specifically only going to be a four week run. Yeah, and it was shot. It was filmed for a Universal MCA special. They that was it was shot for that too, and uh, that that's the show that led to Dream Street. It was the same cast, the same producers, and we changed the format, and made it a rock and roll thing, took it to Las Vegas, and that's the show that became Dream Street. Okay. And that was a really big hit, as I mentioned. And that led to a lot of things. I mentioned Sammy Davis, Barry Gordy, president of Motown, set up some meetings with me and some Motown people in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to expect. I went into the meeting because I had been one of the creative forces behind Dream Street as well. I did the vocal arrangements. And I went into this meeting with Suzanne DePass, who was president of the production end of Motown. And it turns out they asked me if I would be interested in writing a show for Smokey Robinson. Uh-huh. And I thought, no, I'm busy. Of course I want to write. I want, yeah. <laughs> yes, I want. It was Smokey Robinson. Are you kidding? I said, so I, I ended up writing a, a, a stage show for Smokey. And it had a lot of collaboration with the Motown people, of course, and with Smokey himself, who was the nicest man on the planet. Yeah. He still is. Yeah. He's just he's just a great, great guy. And that led to me working with a lot of the Motown people like Diana Ross and Stevie Wonder and the Four Tops and Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. And even though Aretha Franklin, who we just lost, wasn't on Motown, I got a chance to work with her. She would do a lot of the Motown specials yeah. because she was from Detroit. She grew up there. And now that's a woman you talk about when Aretha sings and does vocal things, it's coming from somewhere. Yeah. She's not just throwing her voice around. You it's coming from her gut. That when that I think it's great to be able to sing like that. When when Aretha sings like that or Patti LaBelle sings like that, you're you believe it's something other than someone saying, Listen to how I can show off my voice. Yeah. And they ha- they have probably a history yes. in their upbringing that they can pull from and 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 take you from something, right? There's, mm-hmm. you have to be able to, I always, I always found, I used to uh, teach vocal uh, off and on. And because I did so much studio work and I was producing vocals all the time, I thought for some clients, I said, this would be really good if I could bring in some of the new clients and come in and almost treat vocal lessons as a recording session. Mm-hmm. So we'd find, music whether it's original or find tracks for a song they like and i'd sit in and work them through a vocal session but really work them mm-hmm. um, and the biggest thing especially for young singers i found that they had trouble with is being able to connect to the song they could always sing great so yeah yeah you're a great singer you sound nice i'm bored right so how can we make you go back to something maybe in your life and some of it would be like 18 there was not a whole lot for them to grab onto right uh so we'd sit sometimes i'd sit with them and what's what's the most tragic thing that ever happened to you in your life 
And I remember one was like, well, my grandma passed away. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right, I want you to sit here for the next two minutes and think about that whole situation, what happened, what you felt like. And you could tell they kind of started to think about that. And I said, if you thought about it, you're, you're kind of in that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, you know, the one, the one, this one girl, she could tell she was upset from it. I said, we're going to sing again now. And she sang and it was like, oh my gosh, there it is. She connected it to something. She connected it to something. And at that moment, I was like, did you get it? Did you? And she was like, yeah, I felt it. And I know what you mean. Because it, it, it's hard to explain it. If you have nothing to know how to pull it from, you have to find something in your life or something that you can take yourself to. And, and like it was really within five minutes, she went from one type of singer to mm-hmm. the next level. And then she was always able to, after that point, pretty much be able to take herself, you know, she was able to pull more emotion out of, of singing. And yeah, that's, you know, those big singers like Aretha and that, there's so much soul and so much, you just, right. they just, it just, they open their mouth and it just, it just, it's like a beam of light that pours out of just, everything yes they're able to tap into it and just that's what those great singers are and then you have the other singers who like working with Smokey or diana ross who have great voices but they're not wailing it there's a simplicity yeah in how they sing but yet you believe every word yeah they're saying and so that's it takes all kinds to make great singers and it's great that you were able to pull that out of the out of the young lady yeah it's 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 a tough thing, I think, for, for singers to be able to just kind of deliver something. Like I said earlier, it doesn't always have to be happy and positive. It can be, if you're singing a ballad, you want to be able to feel that, you know, emotion in there. And um, the old school singers, they they were all... They were actors. Yeah. They were, yeah, yeah, they were actors too. Yeah, that's, that's what... Yeah, that's, they, acted, they acted the song. You know, and, and funny that you mentioned that, and obviously you're working... Uh, in the theater here at our theater, you, we see a lot of artists going through all the time. And I find lots of times when we get a group in that's based around people who are musicians, but maybe are do acting all the time as well. So maybe, you know, they do different types of musical shows or different that type of thing. They present themselves so much differently than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, because it's for them, it is acting. They're up there and they're they're acting their part. They've got this experience in acting and it really does make a difference. I almost lots of times think that a lot of singers, musicians and that growing up should get into acting for a while and get that side and learn about that and see how they can apply that to um, doing live shows, like live music shows. It really helps. Well, Michael Chapman, our director, that's the most important thing he tells anybody in our cast is you've got to tell someone. I don't care, especially you know a song like "My Eyes Adored You." When someone's you, you you've got to tell some. You got to be someone's got to be in your mind when you're singing that. Put them put them right in front of you while you're while you're singing that. Yeah. But it doesn't even matter if it seems like a silly song like "Big Girls Don't Cry." There's still a lyric communication going on there. Yeah. And Michael is very good about making sure he he doesn't let anybody just slide by. 
Yeah. And and sometimes it it's not when I say brutal, I don't mean I don't mean uh, uh, abusive. I mean he he can be he, he'll stay on you. Yeah. Until if he ain't getting it, he's not getting it. And they'll say it's you know it's still not there. You still need to. I don't believe you yet. Yeah, you have it's, to pull it out of people. Sometimes, yeah. it's like you said, if that if their history is maybe just singing, I know my first association with Michael was he had seen that show in Los Angeles, Stars on Forty Five, but I didn't know him oh, yeah. then. And years later, I went to see a show that he was producing and directing because a, a girlfriend of mine was in it. And I just loved it. It was a musical review of, of Broadway, of obscure Broadway songs. And it was so good. And I remember saying to her, oh, I'd love to be in something like this. This is it's so good. And I thought that has to have something to do with your director. This is this is so such a cut above all the other review type things I've seen. Yeah. And so I met Michael and he went, oh, you're the, you're the guy from stars on 45 i saw you in that show and he and he was like i thought you were terrific in that show so i auditioned and i don't know technically maybe i was wrong for but michael persisted he he must have had me sing six seven different songs and kept redirecting me and redirect he said i he said i wanted you in this show yeah. he said you were going to get it if i had to beat it out of you practically. And he did put me in the show and I did end up working well in the show, but that's something that you don't get with a lot of directors. No. Yeah, he he saw something that he, because fortunately he saw me in performance and he went, I, I know you've got this. I know you've got this and we're not quitting until you have it. Yeah. And and so that's, that, that started my association with, with him and I've been working, doing a lot of shows with him ever since. It's funny how you can, I think for producers or someone on that end of things, watching and seeing people sing, there's something you can, there's just something, I don't know, I feel when I'm watching, I it's a sense whether you know whether someone can, you can pull something more from someone or you can't. Because mm-hmm. you just get a feeling. Sometimes you just know, okay, that's as good as it's going to get. And you, you just kind of already know that without pushing someone. But then there's other people you meet and work with, then you know, it's like, I know there's more in there, right? Or there's yeah. something, and I don't know what that sense is, right? But there's there's something you can you can sense from people that you know there's something more you can you can get from them. And obviously, Michael's that type of person who can really sense. He is, that and type he's of thing. done he's done the other thing, like you've said too. We've had someone sing, and he'll be polite and mm-hmm. be done. And you know, I might be thinking, do you do do you not want them to? Tra-? He'll say, no, no, I'm fine. Yeah. And afterwards, he'll say, that was it. I knew that was that was all we were going to get. Yeah, and and you know, that was so he, he's I guess he's been in the business a very long time, and so you you develop a sense for what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. So uh, jumping back a little bit uh, in L.A. Uh, and moving on to the show in in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and meeting all these great people and and doing the. Uh, the show was with, with Smokey. And- Smokey that led that led to a TV series with Smokey. Yeah. There was they were developing a new sit not a sitcom a variety show, yeah. and this was when there weren't variety shows. They were kind of dying out, and there was it was a new show called the Motown Review, and Smokey Robinson was the host. And I auditioned for that to be a regular like the like a Saturday Night Live ensemble. They me and Arsenio Hall were the two regulars. No way on that show. So we did sketch, and there was a production, there were dancers and singers, but we did a lot of sketch comedy. 
on that show. It was on NBC on Friday nights at nine. And that was, that was wonderful for me. That was just such a great time for me. And just to work with all those great celebrities and do sketches and, and do things. And, and Arsenio was pretty much starting out too. You know, yeah. he was a stand up comic and he was a great guy to work with. And we were also writers on the show. So we'd sit in a little room like on the old Dick Van Dyke show and we'd be, you know, we'd be writing sketch, we'd be writing our own sketches yeah. and uh, writing the monologue for Smokey. And uh, there was a great TV director, Steve Bender, who's been around forever and is directed Elvis and Diana Ross and a lot of the great, uh, I think he directed the old series Hullabaloo. Remember uh, there was a series in the, in the States that was like one of those music programs and it was great to work with Steve Bender. I could not have had a better, better people around me to talk, to learn from. Does that show exist anywhere? It Do does you? not. Well, on I, a friend of mine posted on, on YouTube, they, they pop up on YouTube and yeah. a friend surprised me. He put, he put something on YouTube called George Solomon in the eighties. Yeah. And if you click on that, there's, there's little, there's pieces of the comedy sketches that we were that we did and I hadn't seen them for years. So it was, I had big hair. I had long hair down to my shoulders back then. Oh, yeah. And so though you, you can find stuff like that. And then I did, uh, I got the show, the Chippendales, mm -hmm. the, the, the male strip club. They were, they were, they got the director of dream street. The owner really loved dream street yeah. and said, I want to do something all new with Chippendale. I want it to be a good show. I don't want it to just be guys taking off their clothes and bumping and grinding. I want, and so he hired our director, Steve Merritt was his name. And Steve came to me and said, I, I, they want this great show. And w would you like to be the MC? He said, I, I, and then maybe sing some songs. So it's not just, and that turned into me being the host for Chippendales. And we did a movie of that as well. Yeah. And that, was a that home video is one of those things that got played. So I think I maybe was more known for being the the Chippendales host yeah. the, than anything. That was just another one of those crazy things that I fell into. How, how long did you do that for? I did it for about three years. Yeah. Did you travel? Was it yes. stationed? Yeah. Well, but... we did. I did the L.A. club. Yeah. And I was there all uh, quite a bit. And then we traveled. We toured Europe. We toured Canada. We 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 went all over the place with that show. And that yeah. that was a lot of fun. Yeah, but again, every everything I, I always tell younger people that I say, do do everything you can. You just yeah. you know, don't you don't have to be so selective. Do anything that gets you out there and gets you in front of an audience that, that keeps you keeps you sharp and keeps you working. Yeah, because one thing just you don't know where it's going to lead you to something else. I mean, doing this one show could all of a sudden you meet someone on the cast or a producer or someone in the audience and we'll see you and all of a sudden, bam, you're going and doing something else. Well, that led, the Chippendales thing was funny because they had an audition. Remember the sitcom Married with Children? Yeah. Uh, I was up for a part on Married with Children and the part was that of the host of a male strip club. Oh, yeah. And I went in and as soon as I did my audition, they didn't even have me do a callback. They said, you're it. That's, that's it. Yeah. You're it. And they even asked me, they said, how, you you nailed that. And I said, I, said, I have to tell you, I'm the host of Chippendales. That's why, <laughs> that's why I nailed it. So you're right. You, you never know what's, what's going to lead you to. And then, and then they, used, they used actual guys from Chippendales and the, they ended up using real strippers in that particular episode of Married with Children as yeah. well. Oh, isn't that interesting? So 
where'd you find yourself after doing the trip? What age were you at that point? Where you think I was? Let's see. Uh, this is going to give away my age now. The Chippendales, I was probably in my, I was 28. Yeah. I was about 28 still years still old. Pretty young. Yeah. I was still a giant. Let's see. So that would make that about six years ago now, yeah, Darren? Yeah. 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 Maybe <laughs> 10. Maybe 10. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you the 10. Yeah. But I was doing that. And I, a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to audition for a cruise ship. And I had never, I didn't know they were doing musicals. They were doing uh, Grease, the show yeah. Grease. And I didn't know what entertainment on a ship was like, but it was one another one of those situations where she dragged me to it. My friend Hillary insisted I go to this audition, and I didn't. I got the part of Danny Zuko in Greece. And that started a really, the ships have become an amazing place to play. Anybody who puts down ship entertainment, because really there's no variety. That's where variety artists go to perform now. Yeah, And that show led to me having my own show on I, I develop I was watching the other what they called guest entertainers or headliners. Yeah. And they would come in and I thought, boy, I could be doing this. I could be I should be doing my own thing. And uh, with Michael Chapman's help, we put together something and I've had a 20 year run really of doing uh, of performing on ships and in Vegas doing my show and that's just been a great, and I've met so many talented people, so many talented other guest entertainers yeah. that have become lifelong friends of mine. So I think that people are appreciating now the level of entertainment they're getting out on the cruise ships. Yeah, you, you learn a lot on there. I mean, you have, that's a tough crowd to play for sometimes. Well, the only good thing about it is they're, they're not there for the entertainment. They're there for everything. So they come into the showroom and they don't really know what to expect, but... That's that's the great thing. You might see somebody sitting there with their arms folded in the beginning, then the show starts, and all of a sudden they're loosening up and they're laughing. They're like, "Oh, this is good. I like this." And yeah. I, I, my, my favorite thing is when I'll have a, a husband, a husband and wife, and the husband will come up to me and he'll be kind of a grumpy old guy and he'll say, "I didn't want to come to this. My wife dragged me here, but I got to tell you something. I like that show. That was a good show." <laughs> yeah, you think that? That's that's when you know you've really you've really got something that they like because uh, yeah. it's something that appeals to everybody because some of the, some of the husbands are are harder to please it's the wives that the wives and girlfriends that want to take them to the shows and yeah. yeah yeah I'll go I'll go I'll say for maybe 10 minutes then I'm probably going back to the casino but uh, so when, when you win them over you, you you've really done a good job so when you're in the uh in Greece and decided to uh put together a solo show how long of a period of time where you're on the ship before you decided to and, and you headed into the Soho land three months three months I, so not long at all no not long but I had been I had already done a show in New York I had I'd already even played Vegas by myself so I knew I could do it yeah but I learned from watching other entertainers what specifically works on a ship yeah you can't just do a self-indulgent Thing where you're singing one teary ballad after another because you like it you have to sing songs people like that still mean something to you yeah you got to keep things upbeat you got to have fun with it and i i tell people all the time and they say how do you put together a good show i said keep it fast keep it short keep it sweet don't you don't need to do medleys that go on for 15 minutes keep 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 the show moving yeah keep it bright and and i had a cruise director who was willing to let me go on even though I was in the production show he let me go on one evening and do my show and it got a 
very, very big response. And after that, the entertainment manager happened to come and see me and said, yo, yeah, I'll book you. And her name was Sue Carper, who was with Norwegian Cruise Lines for a long time. And Sue kept me in work for years. It's funny because I know Sue as well. Uh, I met Sue years ago, a good friend of mine, uh, Billy Newdorf, he lives in St. Catharines, just an hour and a half from here. And uh, him and his brothers had a 50s, 60s group called uh, uh, Brother Line or Jeffrey and the Juniors, was their kind of more their traveling name. And I'm not sure how they got connected with Sue, um, but Sue saw them somewhere and, and she booked them on a bunch of cruises. Um, and then I started performing with uh, with Billy. He used to go on on his own and do some 50s cruises or theme when they had the theme, the theme cruises, cruises. Like yeah. the 60s cruise. Yeah. yeah. So I met her a few times um, uh, through my friend Billy. And uh, it, it's it's funny because I know Michael mentioned, you know, Sue Bunch say, I know exactly who that mm-hmm. is. And uh, yeah, she was, she loved, you know, loved music and it was really had a, um, keen sense for she really did and right sue thing. sue came out to las vegas when we premiered oh what a night mm-hmm. and she uh, immediately afterwards said i want it yeah and so we were working exclusively on norwegian cruise lines for quite a while doing oh what a night and it was quite a crowd pleaser there as so, well so when you started doing the solo thing was it uh, you were on norwegian most of the time i was on norwegian but i yeah. branched out and i i did a lot of holland america yeah as well I did it with Sue's, you know, I, I, I was very loyal to Sue Carper because she was yeah. great to me. And rather than just taking another line, I called her and talked to her about it. And she said, oh, well, you know, with my blessing, she says, I love having you. She said, Any, anytime you want to work here, you can, but I don't want to stop you from, from doing so. Uh, there was a, a, a very nice lady at, at Holland America, Cheryl Floor, was booking the acts there and my agent submitted me and she booked me right away. So I, I've had a long history with Holland America as well. Yeah. And it's great for you because you, you know, you just hop on and. Yeah. People yeah. don't realize that the guest entertainers are treated well. People like a lot of comedians will make jokes about the cruise ship and then we're staying under, you know, we're, we're, we live under the, the water, water and all that. But they really, they, they treat the entertainers well you you know you always have a nice nice cabin and you get to do with the past people my friends will say well are you calling bingo on your days off i said no no i i'm, I'm working one day a week yeah. or maybe maybe two but you know if you're on a whole cruise people say are you must be a lot of hard work i said i work one night a week yeah because there's a different show in the theater every night so they really only need you to do your show one night and maybe at the end of the week they might have a variety show where they'll bring back the the headliners to do a little bit more so it's it's a really good job so did you uh you must have enjoyed the cruising life i did Mm -hmm. i really did enjoy it it's uh it's a good life look what's not to enjoy you're being paid to be on everybody else's vacation yeah (laughs) you know and they treat you well and they feed you well You, you can go to any restaurant you want and eat and now when you go back out into the real world and you go to a restaurant and you and they suddenly set a check down in front of you you got to pay that bill yeah (laughs) he's like oh get me get me back on a ship where i finish (laughs) my dinner and get up and just walk out of here so obviously you spent a lot of time what's one of your What's your favorite place to go? Uh, That's a travel. Tough, I, I'm not a. I'm not the greatest traveler. When I've worked with some of my friends, and they, they have 
they want to go do this and this excursion and they want to visit there. I, I, I've never been a good tourist. I do love, I love Hawaii. Yeah. We've done a lot of Hawaii. I like going to, I loved going to Europe. I like being in Greece. I really enjoyed uh, the Orient. We've been, I've been to some, I've been to Antarctica. I mean, how many people go to Antarctica? I mean, I've, yeah. I've been just about everywhere, but I, I like this. I, I can't say for sure, Darren, what, what was my favorite Yeah. because I, I, I loved so many of them and I got to bring a lot of friends and family with me on a lot of cruises. And that was special to me going to Bethlehem, going, take, seeing places that I know my aunts and uncles would have just loved yeah. to have seen, you know, seeing what was supposed to be the manger, the, 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 the olive garden that how, how many people get a chance? I mean, people pay a lot of money to go and do these things. And I was very blessed to be able to go and do these things and get paid for it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is pretty remarkable. You've done a lot of cruises, haven't you? I've done a fair amount. Yeah, quite a few. And your brother your brother organizes groups to go on cruises. Yeah, he works in the travel industry and he's he's done, I don't know how many. Yeah, I've been cruises. on I've been yeah. on cruises with Bradley where you haven't been there. Yeah, actually. yeah. And uh, I've, I've done, I've performed on a lot. Um, and been on a lot i like them a lot i think it's it's a good it what i like about it you know my friends who would never go on cruises they always i think a lot of people have kind of not a misconception about cruising right Mm -hmm. and i always tell them you can make it whatever you want the most most of the time i hear is like well i don't i like to make my own schedule i don't like to be told that i have to be here or that so well you, you really don't you if, absolutely no, don't. If you want to go on the ship and just sit by the pool for a week or two weeks, you can do that. Mm-hmm. And I've done that. I've, you know, I've been on cruises where everybody's off the boat. I stay on. Yeah. yeah and it's right. like, this is the best time to be on the ship because everyone's off. Mm-hmm. So you go by the pool, there's just a few people hanging out, have a few drinks, and there's, it's not packed full of thousands of people. That's my favorite time on the ship is when everyone's gone. Mine too. Mine too. That's yeah. why I'll tell my wife. I said I, I didn't get off the ship this whole cruise. I said like, I never left the ship this way. What are you crazy? I said no, it was great. I had the gym to myself. I had the restaurants to myself. The, yeah. you know, there was nobody at the pool, especially in the Caribbean, because I find the ports are all feel the same to me. They, yeah, you, you know, there's certain certain places are different, but mm-hmm. certain, you know, it's it's another island, and it's you go someone and, selling t-shirts. Yeah, a, it's right. you know, unless you're going to do excursions where you're going out for the day. Um, on something you haven't seen before, those are, you know, for me, I find I like those every once in a while. But just to get off, um, and to sort of see what's in town, I, you know, they're it's the same stores and all these, you know, they have certain particular jewelry stores are always the right. same, and they, you know, it's all kind of the same. So I, I find it's nice to kind of just hang out in the ship and relax, and 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 uh, you're right, people yeah. don't have to, and I've had people say that very thing i said do what do what you want to do if you want to if you want to participate in activities or go on excursions or play bingo or go to, if you don't want to go to the show don't go to the show although i always encourage people to go yeah <laughs> i think it's yeah a lot of people will tell me afterwards they'll say oh we, my my friends were telling me about your show last night and i just you know i didn't go because you know i think it's it's there for you, and a lot of show. These shows would cost you a lot of money if you were going to see them in Las Vegas. Yeah. So go check it out. You know, it, it, if you don't like it, no one's no one's gluing you to your seat. You know, yeah. if you're really not enjoying it, you can go. But uh, it, it's, go spend an evening in the theater. I think cruising, 
show-wise, it's always up and down for me. I've seen some really great shows, mm-hmm. and uh, I've seen some really not so great shows. Yeah, we all have. And I think that's you know a lot of places are like that. Um, you know, venues are just happen to be like that. But um, unfortunately, sometimes you see some of the bad shows, and it, and it puts you off to going seeing something later in the week, yeah, right? I've had that happen too. Yeah, where so people say I, I I went I went two nights and I didn't like either night, so I decided to skip the third night, and that was the night you were on. Yeah, and that was the night the people said, "Oh, you should have gone to that one." I find a lot of the cruises will push the really good stuff to later in the week, and I always think you should put something really great near the beginning. Completely agree. Yeah, and that way people are like, oh, okay, yeah, this is really great. But I find, you know, you'll, you get weaker stuff and it gets stronger as you get going. Um, and, and some, you know, some cruises I've been on, they're, they're packed all the time in, mm-hmm. in the theaters. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's different. And, and I think it's, it might, no, I show, I'm not going to say, I think it's sad that sometimes now with the cruises, I think they are not trying, they're, 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 they're trying to appeal to, a crowd yeah. that is not uh, what the, it's not what the audience wants to see. Yeah, they're trying to dictate, and and I think sometimes the quality is suffering now. Well, I think in some cases, because I don't know if anyone books a cruise ship because who is performing on the cruise, unless it's a specific uh, music type cruise, right? Where it's a mm-hmm. you know fifty sixties cruise when there's sixty artists on or something like that, or um, there's a small percentage that do but i don't know how many people look or know even who's going to be on performing before they, they don't, get on they don't no, know it's, it's you're going to show up and whatever's there is there and uh unless the act develops a following yes we i've we've seen that had, yeah we've had a lot of people with oh what a night and even my show who will follow the website and say i was trying to choose a cruise and you were going to be on this one yeah so we, we couldn't wait to see oh what a night again so that's the one we booked yeah. So, but those are the that's the those are the people that are looking for what they want to see. And those board. people are probably pretty avid cruisers. Mm-hmm. You know, probably not people who've been going on the ship for, or cruising for the first or second time. Right. They're people who've been on a bunch of cruises, and now that first novelty is over. So now they're a little deeper, right? Now mm-hmm. they're okay. What's the entertainment going to be like? What's the food like? Um, you know what's the pool like those kind of important things that you learn once you once you cruise um it, yeah it's different you know for me too it all depends and then you must have gone through this a million times the house band always is questionable and sometimes i've seen fantastic bands like really really good yeah and other times it's like oh gosh they it, ruin, it like ruins it's hard. Shows. That's that's the scariest part when you're doing a show with a live band. I've been really fortunate to have some great musicians, and I've had somewhere. It's it's almost like we were talking about it, at the first rehearsal. I'll think, and it's not getting better than this. Yeah, you know, I I can push it, and push it, and push it, yeah. and say this is what it's going to be tonight. Yeah, and I'm not going to, and that goes for sound. That goes yeah. for lights. Yeah, you can ask your sound man over and over again. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And eventually, you just say, all right. I know what I'm, I'm just going to go out there and I'm doing the best I can with what I do. And, but I will say, you know, not to dwell on the negative because I've had some great ones. Yeah. I've had great oh, I've sound people, ones, yeah. lighting people, 
orchestras behind me that just picked up the, you know, my show, we rehearsed it down, we were done in an hour, and we went on that night and did the show, and they played it beautifully. Yeah. So I really, I give them, I give them a lot of credit. And it's a tough gig. Because you're uh, lots of times for those guys, they're they're playing a different show every night. Yeah. One, one night they're playing a fiddle show. The next night they're playing a rock and roll show. Yeah. Then they're playing a classical show. Then they're so they they have to really know what they're doing. Yeah, and lots of times they're playing music they're not familiar with at all. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Especially, Especially if it's a the, you know, and the younger people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely a younger person's game most of the time for for those. But yeah, I've seen some I've seen some great bands. I know last time I was on a celebrity cruise. The house band was just, I, I wanted to go back just to see the house band. Mm-hmm. I didn't care who was performing. <laughs> it was right. just like, I wanted to see that band again because they were, they had a really great drummer and a great horn section and the horn section all played in tune and, and it was, it was really good. And it, the band, it, uh, really drew me back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of the time, a lot of people don't think about that. They don't think that necessarily, people know if the band's really great or not so great or um but i know here at the theater when we have a really good band um with with, with an artist um people really notice it, it's oh yeah yeah if it's okay um people don't say anything it's it you know it's all okay like it's not people are complaining that the band isn't good but when they're really good people really really knows that it's it's stellar so. and it's not just how they play it's their enthusiasm yeah. too yeah you're watching the drummer you're watching you it, it's all about their performers too and i tell my band all the time i say you know guys remember they're watching you too so yeah. you know act like you like me you know, act like you're, and they, they always they'll laugh about that i say yeah make sure you're having some fun up there yeah and there's a lot of artists who are afraid of that too i know there's a lot of big stars who don't want their band they want them no, no, to the, be the, just the, don't don't you know just stay the more, still. The more and, they're into it, yeah. the more the audience is into it. The I more fun I have yeah. with them. I play with them. You know, I can chat with them and do things with them, and they're they're all part of the show. Yeah, it's, and it's it's amazing too. Too, which as an audience member, if you're watching an artist, you you are watching everything, mm-hmm. whether people on stage think it or not so you could be i always find it's difficult when you see artists where the band's talking back and forth in between songs or creating you know create making yourself look somewhere else besides the artist that's talking or there's so many of those little type of type of things that happen or everyone's drinking water in between yeah that's, and, that's and a- all that stuff where it's you know it's really takes away because everyone, you see everything. As soon as you see someone move and it catches your Absolutely. eye, it's so important that those people really, they're almost, they have to think that they're just as important as the lead person and shouldn't be doing anything different than they're doing because everyone notices everything. I saw a drummer open a paperback while the artist was talking. Oh, yeah. And start, and start reading his paperback. And afterwards, I had to go back to their conductor and said, you can't let that happen. Yeah. I said, as an audience member, I, I'm watching him reading a book yeah. while you know, in, in between songs. <laughs> said, that's, that's the ultimate boredom for the, that drummer. And then you, I don't care if he's played the show 100 times. Yeah. You know, you, you have, you're, you're in the show. That's, and you're right. It's a distraction. We don't even, uh, in our shows with, with Michael, and 
you never see us take a swig of water ever on stage. Yeah. It's not, it's not part, you, you wouldn't be watching a Broadway show and watch somebody suddenly open up a bottle of water and start drinking it. No. We, we just don't do it. There's not a good way to do it. I mean, there is no, no nice looking way uh, to do it. I remember seeing uh, McCartney live and he sang for like two and a half hours. Yeah, he does a great show. And never took a sip of water the whole time. Right. The band was, but he, uh, not once did he stop. And, and people will notice, I've had yeah. people say to me, boy, you, you did that whole thing and you're jumping around. He said, you, you never took a single sip of water. I said, well, it's the show. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I, it makes me uncomfortable when people, sometimes there's, I've seen other groups or even tribute shows where there's four bottles of water sitting down on the stage. And they all they all have their bottles of water and they're picking them up and they're swigging in between songs. That's that's not a show to the audience. Not not it's maybe it's old school, but that's I don't I don't think it's a it's it's a good look. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. It's 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 hard thing to get across to people. They don't really hundred percent understand that. But yeah, it's true. It's like when you see a Broadway show, there's no one there's no bottles of water sitting. No, I don't care how, I don't care how long they're singing. Yeah. And they could be singing their hearts out and uh, really difficult music, but they don't. They don't. You don't have the luxury of taking a sip of water. Yeah, just you know, be ready to do your show. So how far in? Uh, so you were doing the solo thing on the ship for quite a long time, mm-hmm. and so the oh what a night thing came along. Obviously, uh, really, how did that? That came along again. It was yeah. almost. It was almost because of something that seemed like it was gonna be a negative. There was a period where a lot of the ships were cutting their vocal acts. Yeah. When you know, every now and then there were budget cuts and they said, okay, we're gonna start using less vocal acts because we already have a production cast on board. So we have to fill the other nights with comedians, jugglers, rather than hiring another singer or another musical act. Yeah. And so the work, we, I was afraid the work was gonna slow down and that's when Michael said, okay, if it does slow down for you and it stops, you need to have something else in your back pocket. Yeah, Let's create something new that you know, you'll be able to do. And that's, this all came about because of Michael actually trying to protect me. Yeah, And that's, that's how it started. It didn't end up slowing down for me. I ended up, it, I, I kept working. Yeah. I think maybe because my show wasn't just a singing show, there's a lot of comedy in it and there's a lot of energy. Uh, they continued to use me on the ships, but uh, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for that work slowdown that we were fearing, I don't think O would have night O would night would have happened. Yeah. So, how long did it take you to put that show together? How long did you work amazingly on it? quick? Yeah. It was. I think we didn't even work two months on O would night before yeah. it was done. Uh, I wrote the script. Paul Holmquist did all the choreography. Michael directed it. We. It, it all came together. We, we hired a great cast in Las Vegas right off the bat. It started off as just four of us. Yeah. And as you know, because it has played so many places, you've probably seen a dozen or so different Oh, What a Night guys I've come probably through. seen 20 or 30 yeah. maybe. Or at least 20 different guys maybe. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, and seeing on, you know, being on, I mean, the first time I saw the show was on, uh, on the Pride of America in, in mm-hmm. Hawaii. And it was one of those things, I think, too, where he's like, "Well, you just never know who's in the audience, right?" So, right, you're, and I know you, 
you guys got a lot of work from different people being on on the ship definitely uh but yeah we had a big group um i think this was the time uh through my brother through his travel company we did a walter family hosted trip to hawaii i think we have 550 people that went and we all went on uh on the pride of america in hawaii and oh what a night was on and uh I i think pretty sure i saw yeah i saw the whole show and it was really good and i really enjoyed it but it was more the reaction i got from everybody else that really double sold it for me because mm-hmm. everyone the next day they were like wow that show last night that makes fantastic. you a good producer darren yeah <laughs> it really does that makes you it's uh it, it you 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 recognized what the people were liking yeah it was really uh I, i'm not i wasn't surprised but i was it was one of those things where there was an abundance of people mm-hmm. who who talked to us the next day and, and were saying how much they enjoyed that show and uh so that's yeah that's when i reached out and and uh i contacted michael and and i thought this would be a great opportunity to bring this show to our theater the walters theater uh and that was now that's six years ago because mm-hmm. um, the thing popped up on my facebook page the other day six um, years. it was six years ago memory from six years ago and it was this time period i think it was in august when they came the first time uh so yeah and and obviously since then we've We've done multiple Canadian tours and uh, and the new been, shows. Yeah, four new by shows, four, four by four spun off of from up here. Yeah, and, with the Beatles and the Beach Boys and the, the Bee Gees and Motown section in that too. Yeah, because I was I know I was I wanted to keep bringing the show back, but I just couldn't keep bringing it year after year. I didn't want to burn it out, right? right? And it creates a lot of demand. Uh, it uh, even even on the shows tonight people who have said this is the third or fourth time we've come back to see it yeah. and they are saying and you know and and we want to see you next year you know that's the people who it's like like a movie you like the people who like it will come back and come back and but i i understand the need to you know you, you don't want it to burn out but we have found we're amazed at the people who come over and over and over again to see yeah. this show or who have traveled to see it who have actually taken a flight when they saw it was appearing in the theater you know close to them yeah, it, it just proves that it's a well put together show. It's not just about the music. It's about, you know, the choreography is great, singing's great, the writing's great in the show. It's a whole, it's a whole show, mm-hmm. um, and it's entertaining. I've I don't know how many times I've seen it. Uh, the amount of times it's been here, the amount of times on the road, and the Christmas shows, probably three hundred times maybe, yeah. um, and. I'm still thoroughly entertained. Uh, I am too, front to front to back. I'm always entertained, and a, a, a good reason why that is is because of the terrific talent that we have, that I have, are surrounding me yeah. on the stage. It, it's just so great to work with our our current group right now. We have James Bullard here. We have Josh Woody and Paul Holmquist, the the choreographer. And when you can trust those other three people. Yeah, and you just know. I mean, we had a lot of incidences in today's show that were just it, funny things came up, and these guys, you know, it was, it's like a good tennis game. Yeah, they can hit that ball right back. Yeah, you know, and that's that's what we had going with the audience today, and it, it's it's wonderful to work with people who have such high caliber 
talent. And it never gets old to me. Not to mention the greatness of the songs. Yeah. It's, it pe- takes you back to a, you know, yeah. a great time in people's lives. And those songs were just catchy songs that you could listen to one time and sing the melody in your head. They all told a little story. Yeah. A little three-minute story. And we were on the Pride of America once. And a nine-year-old boy came up to us afterwards. And he had tears in his eyes. We said, what's the matter? He said, that song Ragdoll was so sad. Oh, and yeah. I thought, wow, that, that nine-year-old boy was listening to that story. Yeah, the, when she was just a kid, her clothes were hand-me-down. Somehow that touched him. Yeah. yeah I think you, you just, you never know. You talk about, we talk about communicating a lyric. You just, you never know. And it, it's, the, the audiences, they're, they're really in it. And I, I'm always very grateful for the accolades that we get after the show. Yeah, it's, it's people always, they freak out over this one. They, they, they really, really enjoy it. And yeah, we're getting lots of, tons of new people. Mm-hmm. Um, but tons of people, yeah, we, this is our third or fourth time seeing it. I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't know how many people that actually do this show. You have a, a large talent pool. Because uh, at one time you were on multiple ships at the same time. Oh yeah, we'd be on, we'd, we'd be, there were times we were playing six different we had six different casts going at the same time yeah. there'd be four on the ship there'd be one playing in new jersey there'd be one playing here at the walter you know, there, and it was we we had a lot of people working yeah it's uh and a neat thing i see uh it's with the multiple different people coming in and out um of the show it brings a little something different definitely every time you see the show because it's not necessarily the same four guys every single time and I think there's there's a positive thing to that, uh, where you know when you have four guys, you really you lock something in really solid mm-hmm. and it stays consistent and, and that whole thing. Uh, but there's a neat thing when I know when people are coming back, it's like all of a sudden there's there's a new guy in there, and yes. it brings even though show is you know it's written there's here's the songs and it's kind of the same thing front to back most of the time, just changing out one guy can really change the whole dynamics of the whole show. And right. it's neat because you it's like coming to a new show, um, especially when you have two or three new guys than the last time you went through. Or um, I know lots of times we'll be on tour with the show and people come in is such and such uh, on, this, on this trip. And they said, no, he's not in this one. They're like, oh, yeah. we came just to see him. But when they leave, they're coming up. They're to, happy. They're yes. happy because they didn't think there'd be someone that could be better than this person that they. Everybody liked. loves the cast they saw. Yeah, and they ex- they want to see those four again. But then when they see that, that's that's the beauty of the show too, is that we try to make everybody bring something unique to it yeah. and different. People are very. This is my first. Even though I'm one of the original guys. I have a lot of your audience members who are seeing me for the first time because it's the first time I've played the Walter's Dinner Theater. Yeah. I did a Canada tour. So I'm like a newcomer to them. Yeah, I, know, say, I saw this, I saw James and I saw Paul. I never saw you before. Yeah. It's uh, uh but they they leave they leave satisfied. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a neat neat thing with this show and it's probably unlike most any other shows I've I've worked with where you can change guys and and everyone 
there is no lead person, like you said mm-hmm. before. So it's, you know, switching people in and out is a really cool thing for the show. It brings different life and, and for people coming back to see it again. Um, there's just enough different in it that it feels like it's something completely brand new. Um, yeah, and I also, I don't get a chance to see the people doing my part very much, but the few times that I have, I, I've, I've been amazed one of our other guys who was doing our the spokesperson for you, Rick, who's you've worked with a lot, yeah. So, you know, and it, he brings something different to it. And I think, boy, Rick nails this. What? How? And you know, I'll, I'll be I'll be doing the same line and not getting the same reactions. What is what is Rick doing to get that? Yeah, you know, I, I just I you know I, I don't have the you know I may do other things that are different from him, but yeah, uh, everybody every bring everyone brings something to the party. I think. Yeah. No, it's it's really neat. It's. it's I like that aspect of the of this show. Uh, so obviously, we were doing Oh What a Night for a long time, and then Four by Four came along. This is the mm-hmm. uh, the latest show. Um, well, it's not the latest anymore. No, it's there's almost, another one yeah, coming. It's coming up. It's the latest uh, show that's uh, out there that you can actually see. Right. The new one's not out there yet, but it's no. coming. Uh, so what was your thoughts on when you guys put that show together? Uh, obviously, it's the music of uh, the Beatles, the Beach Boys, the Bee Gees. Bee Gees and and the we did a whole segment. Motown section because we were, we were toying with the idea of just doing, you know, you got the Beatles, the Bee Gees, the Beach Boys, maybe the Temptations, or maybe do the Four Tops, or maybe, and but we, you know, we could have just chosen one Motown group yeah. and made it, uh, but there was just so much great stuff there that we said, let's just, let's just make the fourth section a Motown section. Yeah. And it also gave us freedom to do Stevie Wonder and the Temptations and the Four Tops and Smokey and even the Supremes. And Mar- the guys play around and they do the Supremes and they do Martha and the Vandellas. And it, it just added a lot more humor to the show. It, it, was, it was quite, a, it was an undertaking because four by four is a great show. And it even takes it a step further because wardrobe each act is costumed differently yeah even though we're not replicating you got the suits that remind you of the beatles you got the outfits that remind you of the beach boys you got the suits that remind you of the bgs the saturday night fever period you got the the uh, so there's yeah there's more there's more costume even though we change our clothes and oh what a night there's even more costuming I, i think it's more drastic Yes, different. Yeah. And the dancing. Paul really stepped up the dancing. We dance a lot in Oh What a Night, but I couldn't even attempt to do four by four. It's, it's just, a real physical it's, show. It's yeah. real. They're they they are full out now. When we're casting people, we have to cast dancers. Mm-hmm. We have to get. That's the first thing we we want. We have to make sure they can handle the choreography. But again, that'll make the show stand apart from other trib, tribute shows. Yeah. It's you. You got to be a full-on singer, dancer, actor to do these shows. It's funny. I was talking to um, uh, a couple podcasts ago, Jim Curry, who does the John mm-hmm. Denver tribute. Yes, we were talking at the beginning. I said, I hate. There's certain shows I hate putting the word tribute on mm-hmm. because you think of a certain thing when you think tribute is not necessarily good. Because um, there's too many tribute shows out right. there, and a lot of them aren't great. Um, and but there are a lot of really great ones, um, and these, oh what a night four by four, is that thing where I try not to slide tribute in there very often because it's a real it's way different than that. It's a 
it's a show and it's features right. the music of those artists. Um, but it's certainly not, um, I wouldn't, you have to kind of put it in tribute land a little bit, but, um, it's always a tough, that tribute word is always a tough word. It to got to there. be tough on the ships because yeah. every lounge had a tribute in it yeah. and you'd hear the cruise director come on and say and in the so-and-so lounge there's a tribute to billy joel and upstairs in the spinnaker lounge there's the the tribute to the bgs and down, down there in bliss you got the neil diamond tribute with and then and on our main stage tonight we got oh what a night tribute to frankie valley and the four no there's and then and i've even had people who didn't they said we saw you know we we went to the lounge and we saw someone standing and playing and say, we didn't know that yours was going to be any different than that it's just yeah. it's a tribute to everything now so it's kind of minimized the the impact. Well, there's a testament to this show where uh, a couple of years ago we put uh, Oh What a Night in a very large casino here in Ontario, who uh, it's Casino Rama, which has every major artist, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and Frankie Valley performs there all the time, and um, you know, it, big, 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 big artists there continu- continually, and here we are bringing Oh What a Night in to 5,000 seat mm-hmm. uh, performing arts theater and the shows, if who haven't, people haven't seen it, four guys, four mics and there's tracks. Mm-hmm. And we sat back, Brian Edwards, uh, myself said, well, this is going to be a test for this show to see how it will translate in this venue where people have come and seen every big act. Well, people say, how come there's no band? How come, you know, this, or it's just four guys. Um, and the show finished, huge standing ovation, and mm-hmm. the place went nuts. And even, I think everyone at the venue was like, they trusted uh, Brian and and uh, knew we'd, we'd always bring in a good show. But for me, that was like the biggest test. It was like, you can throw you guys on, uh, you know, the biggest stage. Um, yeah, with, with no set. You said yeah, four, four microphone stands yeah. and four guys. And it totally killed. And it was, and that's, that's, no, that's when you know you have a solid show. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael, Michael Chapman always says, a good show will play at Radio City Music Hall or in someone's living room. Yeah, exactly. Because you could put this show and, you know, we've gone some places where there's there's no lighting to per se besides turning <laughs> the lights up. This is as good, the same thing. It's like, well, this is as good as it's going to get tonight, boys. And you turn the lights on. It's not the fancy light show. Mm-hmm. And people leave. They didn't miss anything. No. It's just, we, we did this show on, we've done it on a yacht for people. We, we, we did it, Michael Strahan hosted a, a thing on a yacht where we we performed for someone's birthday party. There were 23 people sitting in a living room and they hired Oh What a Night and we stood there and we did the entire show for them. Oh, that's great. Nonstop all the way through for 23 people and it played beautifully. Yeah. Right there in the living room the same way as it would in a 5,000 seat theater. Yeah, because you know, shows nowadays, they rely so much on technology. Mm -hmm. They need the video. They need the, the special lighting and the effects and I feel like a lot of it is just covering up because they can't entertain. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're not, a lot of people don't know how to talk in between songs or what to say or entertain people and be comfortable with that. And, and that's really an old school thing too. I mean, I think that's, 
that's going away a little bit with a lot of new artists. They just go up there and, you know, they play a song and, and, and they finish and people cheer and they go grab a drink and they, they just start the next song and, and that's it. I mean, there's no, yeah, there's no do. communication with the audience. There's no getting to know them. There's no little stories about this song or mm-hmm. any of that stuff. And I, that's what I love about shows. I, I want to feel like I've left knowing more about the artists or about whatever the songs they were singing or all that stuff. But I think newer music, it's really getting away from that. Um, yeah, it's a whole, and I mentioned the cruise ships now are, are going that way yeah. too. Uh, they, they think that old school is a bad term and really old school just means good. Yes. Yeah. Well, especially on the ship, right? Because they're not coming in and seeing someone they know in most right. cases. You know, they might, I've seen the show there before. They might, there might be someone they know, but most cases you're walking in cold to something that you don't know really what it is uh, to some extent. And you don't know the entertainers and those entertainers have to sell that crowd. They have to perform. If you just go up and play your song and don't say anything and just go to the next song, if you don't know that material, um, I can imagine how many people have seen over tonight and probably aren't don't really know Frankie Valley music that much, no, but the, the by the time ones. they leave, mm-hmm. they're like, Oh wow. I didn't, you know, they were thoroughly entertained. You can go to that show and not know Frankie Valley, um, and leave being thoroughly entertained and yes, not the knowing. The, yeah. We'll have, we'll have kids and teens yeah. who say they, well, I knew Greece and I knew I, mean, I think I knew, Oh, what a not yeah, But, but they, but they loved it. Yeah. Because they were, they were entertained by it. Yeah. And the songs, the songs are catchy too. Yeah, I think you know for, for cruise ships too. That's it's not a great idea to kind of follow that new trend because it's you really have to find acts that can really perform. Well, right? that's what they're doing, Darren. Yeah, <laughs> they're, 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 a lot of them are trying for the, you know, they 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 feel that a certain audience is dying out and they have to start appealing to. But I think what they're missing, the point is, good is good. Yeah. It, it, you know, a good show is a good show. It, it, and that's it's going to appeal to everybody if it's a good show. It does not matter the age. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's different. Um, I mean, some things are, I mean, it's like before, I think back in the day, there's always great things and there's something that's things that don't work and that's what kind of carries on too. And, and uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really a weird area now, I find. And, uh, I know even booking for our theater here, um, it's difficult. I mean, it's, it's harder to find just really great, great shows. Um, there's a lot of shows out there, um, but to have really great shows, it's, it's fine. It's harder to find. Yeah. Shows that are the complete package. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point in your life, where do you, where are you selling into now? Where do you? I, I'm just happy. I'm happy that I'm still doing what I love to do. Yeah. I, I try not to have too many expectations. Maybe when I was younger, I had more, maybe too many. I, I, I'm just fortunate that I have made my living doing what I love. You know, years ago, I'd have relatives say, when do you, when do you think you're going to really make it? I said, well, you know what? When a carpenter is working all the time as a carpenter, he's making it as a carpenter. Yeah. When a realtor is selling houses, he's where he's, I think that with show business, they think if you're not on the cover of people magazine, you haven't made it. Exactly. But there, 
there are people who are living this profession and working hard and all of their lives to the, and they're making a lot of people happy. That's making it to me. So I'm just feel fortunate for every day. And there's not a day that goes by when I'm on the stage performing that I'm not grateful yeah. for that moment. Uh, cause I just, I don't want it to go away. I want to be able to keep doing it as long as I can. I think that's difficult for artists who, who are so stuck in trying to be famous or be, you know, have that number one song or, and the problem with that is like, once they get there now, it's even harder because now you have to try to sustain that. It's very, it's hard. So how long can you sustain that for? Because eventually you're going to start dropping down and the next person's going to come up and then you're not mm -hmm. as relevant anymore. And that's mentally challenging yes. for a lot of people and, and career challenging. And, and I always say, I'd, I'd rather be exactly where I am right now uh, and have been for quite a long time, and I'm sure you feel exactly the same way. I I prefer not to be that famous person. Well, when you're on the pedestal, it's and you're an easy target too. You know, when you're up there yeah. for people, it's like people will support supports the critics will love you, love you, love you, love you. Then you'll then they'll become a superstar. Then then they're critical of every single thing you do. Yeah, yeah, because it's so hard to top yourself. Yeah, and you, now you can go, you know, you can go and perform for thousands of people, um, and you can get up. Uh, after the show, go have dinner. No one's bugging you. Um, it's not as if, you yeah. know, you got that whole fame thing. No one's going to be worrying about writing up a review of some strange thing, or you're going to be on the cover of this or whatever that whole fame thing brings you. You're still experiencing all the same things that those people really want to experience is getting on stage and performing without all the other crap you have to, to deal with. And I think it's the best position to be in. It's why you'll hear so many, and again, it sounds cliche, but you so many superstars who have said some of their happiest times were their beginnings, yeah. when they were trying to make it, when they when they when they were working towards, and some of their biggest heartaches came after the fame. Yeah, yeah, the it, it's it's interesting. It, it's a, a cliche that fame doesn't it doesn't always buy happiness. Sometimes it buys just the opposite. Yeah, and with your show too, you're not dealing with agents and managers and you know all these other piles of uh, people who look after you, uh, who are all taking a little cut here and there and there. Mm -hmm. um, and believe me, the minute you're not relevant anymore, they don't they don't care about you <laughs> anymore no. either. No, it's 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 fascinating. I think uh, you know your career, which you've done, has been been fantastic and really smart and. Um, and you can sustain your career for a very, very, very long time. As long as I can continue, I, unfortunately, I'm in good health. I'm in good shape. I can still, you know, I'm I'm still able to sing and dance and move and have have good energy. I'd like to keep doing it as long as as long as the people are still enjoying. I think I will know if I get to a point where I say this just isn't good anymore. Yeah, I think then I would say, okay, maybe I'll just continue to write and produce. But boy, I sure would miss being on the stage. Yeah, I could tell from watching. I, I love, I love it so much that it would. It's, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to be. If I, if I'm off for a week or two, I miss it. Yeah, yeah. I might want a little time off, and then I have a week off. As I just, I can't wait to the. I, I love the schedule here. I like working every day. Yeah. It, I really like having something to do. I like getting up in front of the audience every day. And the voice gets stronger too, like any muscle. Yeah. Yeah, I find even uh, just our machine that runs everything here, if you have a day off, 
which is great because it's like you know you need a little bit of recoup time mm-hmm. but getting going the next day even just a day off it's like oh it's like getting back on the bike again and trying to get the right. pedaling back up to speed again it's one day can can throw you but when you're doing shows back to back to back you got such a great uh routine a great practice and everything starts clicking and everything gets easier and um it's nice to be able to to keep keep doing shows like that yeah i it's like being on tour it's a grueling schedule for some people but we're we're heading back to new zealand in october and we'll be working just about you know six nights Six nights a week, we'll be working with maybe you know one day off and different venue. I love working here because we're we're in the same place, we're in the same hotel, we're in the same theater. Yeah. And when you're on the road, you're in a different hotel every day. You're in a different theater every night, and there's a fun freshness to it. Yeah. But th- there's there's something about the familiarity of of knowing what you're going to get. You know, here it's different. It's it's interesting. You know, you are in the same spot, but every day is different. I find the crowds different every day, you know? Yes, they are. And it's, it feels like it's a different, even though you're in the same spot and, um, it's it, for me, especially I find every day is a little different. Sometimes the crowds are, you know, like today's crowd was crazy. crazy Monday's good. crowd was really crazy too. Tuesday, a little quieter. <laughs> quieter. They still love it. Yeah. But it's for me, that's, that's an each, if they come out of the gate screaming and yelling every single time, there's no challenge there, right? Mm-hmm. If you get a day that they dip a little bit, a little quieter, which is a lot of Canadian artists, Canadian artists are, they're very more reserved. That makes you work harder. And I think, I think that's good. I think you need every once in a yeah. while that little push to say, all right, let's, let's give it a little bit more. And, and, you know, by the time the show's done, everyone's on their feet and, mm-hmm. and you've gotten them to that, to that spot. So, well, we uh, had the luxury here of having, I'm not just saying this because you're here, but to have someone who's so talented on working so well for us technically. Oh, thanks. It takes, it takes away all the worry. Sometimes when you're in a different place and you have different technicians every night and you have to rely on the cue, there, the, there's such a weight off the shoulders knowing that the person who's running the show knows what they are doing. Yeah, and you and your whole family is just wonderful to us when we're here. It's Thanks, just it, it, it really it, it makes our jobs so much more fun. Well, I think it comes from a place of being on the stage ourselves too, right? Mm-hmm. We know what's comfortable comfortable for us, um, so we know how important that is to make that comfortable for the artists that come in, and what that translates into is a really great show. Um, and I think lots of times you don't even realize what you're doing. Uh, you're just doing stuff because that's the way you'd want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, I think a lot of tech people have difficulty because they, they've never been on stage. They've never been the performer. Right. They only see it from a tech end. And, uh, you know, going out and touring and, and doing a lot of tech, you know, you hear comments from tech guys all the time. And, you know, a lot of them, they're so negative and they're yeah. always, you know, it's such a downer vibe from so many of them. Um, cause they, I think they're not appreciated enough and they should be, um, cause they're just as much part of the show than, than anybody else is to some degree. And it's tough cause if you don't, if you can't relate to what's going on stage to what you're doing to help them on stage. And I think being a sound guy or a lighting person or anything like that you're there assisting 
the person who's performing on stage. You're there to make sure they sound great, make sure they can hear themselves, make sure the everything looks great. The crowd's getting into it. You're working whatever you can to build that up and help the artists mm-hmm. perform the best they can. And I think unless you've been on stage to, to see what that feels like, um, it's difficult to to translate and make that you know 100% on on the tech end of things. I mean, you can't you can. People are are you know obviously really great at it, but it's 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 a more th- something different. And you're right you about the, the technicians can be when you're touring, especially they may have had an act that was a real pain for them the day the, the act before. Yeah. And sometimes you go in and you're feeling a vibe from them right away, like they're not going to like you. When you're thinking, you know, don't don't put the judgment on. We we we're not going to give you a hard time. And then usually they will warm up when they when they see the quality of the show and the, how polite the guys are. In yeah, the show. they just want to be treated nicely too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of times you go in, oh, you hear about, uh, you know, yeah, quite often the, the act that was in there the night before, and they go in uh, with an iron fist and demand this, demand that, and treat people badly. And it's not the way to, you know. Because that's what they're talking about the next day. They're not talking about how great the show was. They're talking about how crappy the crew was. Right. Um, and that happens a lot. And, you know, it's it's funny when you travel around to different theaters, there's a different vibe to every crew you go to. And sometimes you can go in and you can tell when you walk in. Usually I, I tell them, the tech guys I work with quite a bit. When you go in, it's that first initial meeting with the crew when you come in that's so important to figure out how your day is going to go. And it's, I think it's important for an act when they come in and meet um, the crew. You know, a lot of, and you guys all do this, you go in and you're super nice and shake everyone's hand and say hello and and, and not head right to the dressing room and don't, you know, talk to anybody. And, and I always go in and I always try to have something funny in my back pocket right away. Mm-hmm. And I'll come in and I'll... Uh, always have some type of joke or some type of something that I know they're going to laugh and kind of break the ice right away. And I always try to lead with that and then suss things out and then, okay, let's get to, let's get to business and let's get this done. Um, and then there's, they're great to work with. No, now that they know you're, ah, he's funny. He's going to be great. And, and now when you say, yeah, that's not right. We need to do this. They were more willing to change. But if you go in right away with an iron fist and, um, and I've seen acts do it. I've seen oh. acts do it on the ship. Yeah. I've had show bands tell me, oh my gosh, you should have seen the act we had here last week. Oh, and they, and it's, it's, it's not fun. It's not fun for anybody. And yeah. it only put them on edge and they were afraid through the whole show. Yeah. You know, some, some artists will rule with fear thinking I'm going to, you know, scare them into doing this exactly the way I want it. That, that style doesn't work. For me, I'd, I'd rather them be. I, I'd rather them make mistakes and be more comfortable. Yeah, because <laughs> a mistake is over in two seconds. And I, I will tell a band right before every show, I don't care about your mistakes. I care about you enjoying yourself yeah. and having a good time during this show. Yeah, it's 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 super important. And yeah, it's it's um, I, I you know I appreciate the comments and and uh, it's always nice to hear that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and. Yes. And, uh, um, you know, my goal always is, I always want just everyone, I, I just want things to go smoothly. And, uh, Brian Edwards, my, my business partner, who I do a lot of shows with and, and, and tour with, with you guys, he always says, you know, we're always talking about, um, 
people are always looking for compliments compliments all the time they always wanted oh you guys were great you're great and his his comment always is you we didn't hire you because we didn't think you were going to be great mm -hmm. so we already know that and we just it's kind of not that it's expected but we don't feel like we need to tell you every time right that it was fantastic that's why we hired you right but if it goes wrong oh, you then, hear about it yeah you're going to know about it because we didn't hire you to do something wrong you know we just hired you to, to do something right but that and that's it's a good way to think of things and and thinks if you didn't you didn't hear anything you did your job you know that's you did a great job and um and you know it's always nice to compliment people yes. but you don't need to do it you know every you know yeah the more you're in it, to hear every single the, show the more you're in it you you learn to you know you don't you don't need the accolades every if you if you're you doing don't. your job yeah. if you're doing your job well then you did it you did it well yeah but it is it's 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 nice because you better believe even on the same I, I bring it back to the ships again you if something's wrong if there's one bad comment you'll hear about it yeah yeah, there could be 1,500 other people who are on their feet and screaming and cheering, but if one person said, I didn't like this, you hear, someone, will, someone from the office will inevitably let you know that someone complained about you. Yeah. You want to say, what about the other 1,500 people that loved it? I know. That it's just the That's nature. That's stressful too. I know even here for us, you know, we know people have, day after day, people have great times and, and you know, it's, it's filling up our seats all the time. It's It's doing well but you get one comment that's negative and it really bothers you you're just mm -hmm. like why did that happen and sometimes you notice that some people are just don't you know hard to get along with some people are just bothered by everything or right could be something that's not remotely even your responsibility but um i know in the cruise ship industry they're the, the comment cards and comments are so crucial to everything they do yes because so many people will only write the comments about the things they didn't like. Yeah. If something bothered them, they want them to know. And I always encourage people, you know, I, I in every area of life, I say, get, get, let, let them know the positive things too. Yeah. Because that's, that's what's going to help someone in the long run. That's what's going to help get somebody promoted. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did this not long ago on the show. We were out with, oh, what a night. And they had a substitute lighting person in, filling in. And the guy was really good. Like really, like the probably the best guy we had, and uh, you know I thanked him. I said, told him how good he were he was, and the, and he said, yeah, good. well, if you ever have a chance to tell anybody in the staff here, because I'm really mm -hmm. trying to get in here and work, and it's like, yeah, you bet. So we wrote a, an email to the the theater manager and told him how much we loved this guy. He was great, did a wonderful job, and and. You know, hopefully when we go back, I'll see if he's got the gig. Yeah, I'm hoping he does. I hope but, he does too. But those coming from the other end, as you know, someone who works on the other side of theater business, I want, I would like to hear those comments too. If someone does, you know, a really excellent job, um, you need to, you need to know that. So, um, I think too with when you work theaters and you've been in and out of theaters uh, so many times, there's there's front of house staff, and then there's the crew. Right, mm -hmm. so there's and there's always some weird type of separation between the two of them. Either they they either really talk well with one another, or they don't talk at all. So it's you know something can happen backstage and with the crew, and they could be maybe they're 
treated you terribly and not really good, but then people up front treated you well. If you don't say anything, then they don't know what's going on back there. Uh, and the same vice versa. I think it's always, you know, positive or negative to kind of let everybody know, hey, if something, uh, you know, wasn't right there, most people would just kind of get up and leave and they would never know. Mm-hmm. As a theater owner, I'd want to know if something's, someone's not happy with their time in the theater. Look, we love when the technicians in the front of the house people sometimes they're so great to us, especially the, your ushers and people. And cause you know, they've seen everything. Yeah. And when they're really, when they're really complimenting you and you think, okay, you, you, they've, they've seen a lot of things and we'll go back to theaters that we've played before and they'll be so happy to, that we're there. Yeah. yeah they're, oh, they'll remember and they'll say, oh, we, you know, we, we remember you guys from last year and we can't wait to see this. And it's funny with the ushers. That's, that's one big thing I know about theaters. If, if I know the ushers are having a great time, mm-hmm you know the show's good. Um, and I've, with All oh, What a Night and with 4 by 4 I don't know how many times we've done we've done shows in Canada and they've come and left and ushers are walking out and they're telling us that's the best show we've ever had in here. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. I mean, you look at the rosters that some of these theaters have and they're big. They've had everybody in there mm-hmm. and they come and here comes Oh What a Night and bam, it's that's their favorite show they've ever seen. And you hear it over and over and over again. So kudos to uh, to you guys for putting together such a good show. Well, I hope to come back again someday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so new show uh, coming up um, yesterday once more. Mm-hmm. It's going to be uh, coming out next year. And uh, so what are your challenges on this next new show the, the thing that makes this one unique for us is because we're doing the carpenters and the mamas and papas and the fifth dimension and abba these are all groups that were men and women yeah so even though we've done four by four with all men we've done oh what a night with all men we have a diana ross and the supreme show that's with with girls and this will be our first show where we will be two guys and two girls yeah so it'll be a nice variety you get the female voices in there as well and we'll still present it with the same quality and same style as the other shows meaning lots of humor getting to know the individuals everybody will be featured even though maybe like with the carpenters you mostly only heard karen carpenter's voice we'll make sure that the guys uh, get uh, get heard as yeah. well even if it even if it's a guy singing a song that normally would have been sung by a woman yeah, yeah you can everybody will be featured equally in this show as well yeah that's good yeah, i'm excited to see this one it's going to be me too we're, we're in we're in, in the process of you know we have the script done paul's working on the choreography already and we're going to get a really strong cast together and and hopefully hit it out of the park with this one as well yeah i want to ask before we wrap up i want to ask you so you're it's funny today uh was yesterday yesterday uh uh you're obviously a fit guy looks after yourself <laughs> and it's funny because people come in and they're like yeah that that guy that uh, in his thirties that came down and I love danced that. in the front row. <laughs> uh, so, what's what's your regiment? Uh, obviously, you you must work out constantly and Darren, eat healthy. I, and I don't. I you have I'm good not, genes. I I have very good genes. Yeah. My mom, you know, was ninety five years old and looked amazing. I work a little bit. I go to the gym. I, I I do go to the gym, but I do a wimpy work. I'll be at the gym for fifteen to twenty minutes. Yeah. I'll do three sets of arm curls and three sets of chest things and th- on the machines. And, and, you know, James and Josh in the show, they'll tease me because they're serious. You know, they go to the gym and they're going to work an hour and a half on this. And, and 
I've been lucky that I've always been a thin person. Yeah. So I think that the mus the muscular just came from being active, and uh, I, I I like I like to eat. I'm not a I'm not a heavy meat eater. I I'm not can't say I'm a vegetarian because I, I I will our, our our producers you know directors are vegan, but uh, I don't think you need a lot of meat in your diet. Yeah. And I and I'm I'm not and as much as I love I mean I love ice cream, but I I can when I'm home in Los Angeles I I cannot have sweets in my house. I oh, can yeah. I can easily just do without the sweets. Maybe I'll have yogurt that has you know fruit in it so i know there's some sugar there but i don't really i'm very fortunate i don't have a great i can't tell you do this do this do this do this and yeah. you're going to be fit but when one of your people told me the guy in his 30s i thought oh god bless them for that that's <laughs> really nice no that's awesome well i appreciate uh you taking the time and uh talking about your career and everything about uh your life and where you're at and it's it's a really interesting story and and uh you've had a fascinating career so far um where can people find you on the internet on social well, media and that yeah there's well there's my website is georgesolomon.com yeah. and there are things around youtube you, you can put george solomon in youtube and you'll see uh like i said the the funny thing from the 80s and uh I think the whole Chippendales movie is on there, and the, oh, yeah. there's a, I, I, I don't even people will bring these to my attention. People will send me links and say, "Look, look, look at this," and I'll say, "Wow, I haven't seen that in a long time." And people who are shooting Oh What a Night, even with their little phones, you'll you'll see numbers from Oh What a Night. But uh, uh, GeorgeSolomon.com, and I always tell people, you know, we we talk about Oh What a Night Tribute.com is is our website. I'm on Facebook as well. I'm on Instagram. And we have our producer, Michael Chapman, Paul Holmquist, Chapquist Entertainment, C-H-A-P-Q-U-I-S-T, Chapquist. And chapquist.com, if you go to that website, you'll see all of the shows. You'll see Oh, Tonight, 4x4, George Solomon Show, Diana Ross and the Supremes, uh, Yesterday One. You'll, you can you can take, get a little sample video of all of the shows, too, and... A lot of bookers go on there and check that out and they'll contact Michael and say, hey, I like this one. I'm interested in booking that show. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks again. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, this has been a fun chat and I know we uh, you're probably hungry because you haven't eaten since we've done this, uh, done uh, this show. I, I had some, see, you talk about food. I had oatmeal this morning at 8.30 and that's been it for me so far. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's, what is it now? It's uh, about a thousand o'clock. I yeah, think. <laughs> 20 after five. Yeah. So yeah, you need to eat. So thanks again, and uh, once again, once you're listening, I appreciate if you have a chance to subscribe to In Session with Darren Walters. I'm available on iTunes, and if you want to go to my website, uh, darrenwalterspodcast.com, uh, when you're on iTunes, uh, please subscribe, as I mentioned, give it a rating, and uh, that helps us move up the ladder in iTunes. And uh, we've got lots more great interviews coming up. I'm very excited about the ones uh, coming up in the next few, so... Uh, stay tuned and thanks to George once again and we'll see you next time. Thanks. <laughs>